This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Was the 1980s the best decade for Star Wars? Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend, and he's also my co-host, and his name is Ray. Hello. Hi. This is where I'm going to actually insert the... Don't read like, it. share, and subscribe, comment, review, and rate the Don't show s- when you get a chance. Thank yeah, you very much. We appreciate your support. Okay. You're not supposed to read it verbatim. You just, you know, it's to remind you of the concept. Mm-hmm. Okay. So today, I've been looking forward to this for a while now because we're going to be able to, this is what we were talking moments ago, talk about a topic that we know well and we love. Not to suggest that any other topics we didn't like. Of course, we only tend to take, talk about things we like and are curious about. Yeah, but there's only a few topics that we've been fans of since, like, birth. Yeah, that's true. So today we're going to be talking about whether or not the 1980s was the best decade for Star Wars. And you may think you know, but hold your, <laughs> hold your, con- no spoilers till the very end. Okay, but before we do all that, let's first discuss 80s news. So this week uh, we're talking about Star Wars. We've got the new film coming out, so it's perfect timing for us to talk about Star Wars-related 80s news. Yeah, something that we know actually stuff about, Yeah, which is good. And Admittedly, I'm crowbarring it as 80s news, but there were two films in the 80s, and we grew up in the 80s, and these films had a major impact on us in the 80s. Yeah, because we saw most of them in the 80s, too, you know? Yeah. So. Okay, so first thing is, I know you're not caught up on The Mandalorian, so I'm not going to ruin it for you or anybody. I will just mm-hmm. say this. This week's episode, episode five, is the most fan service one so far. Which, I know that fan service usually has a negative connotation. Usually, yes. Like, I know you don't like, and I, I, we both had the same problem with Solo. Yeah. They crowbarred stuff in there, and I didn't like that yeah. about that movie. But, so far, The Mandalorian has done a great job of storytelling, so yeah. I'm not going to worry about it too much. Yes. And in that sense, uh, that stuff that's revealed in Episode 5, it's, it's not related to plot so much as... That it's it seemed more organic and it's part of the larger, better storytelling. So I don't have a problem with it. Me neither. But more importantly, every time you watch the episode, you yep. have to now sing, "Baby Yoda, do to do to do, Baby See, Yoda, do to do Now I have to sing "Baby Shark" to get that one out of my head, yep. and I just got "Baby Shark" out of my head. Well, now you got this one to sing every day for the rest of the month. Now, I, at least he's cute. I know you. you what? Yeah. Okay. We could have less more cute murder and more murder. Yeah, that would be better, but. <laughs> Get on that. Less cute and more murder. Okay, so I won't say anything. Maybe we can talk about this in the future Mm because there's so many cool references to the original uh, trilogy. Um, Okay, so the next bit of of news I wanted to say uh, or touch base with you on, I'm going to play you an audio bit and see if you know what this is. All right, get your dump button ready because I can translate that for you. Okay. That means you. (laughs) And Okay. I'm going to dispute that a little bit, maybe. Okay. But where? What can you? Where? That, where's it from? That is from the Greedo and Han scene in uh, Mos Eisley Cantina, right. where uh, Greedo decides he wants to take Han in. Right. So George, yes, who, who is a genius, mm-hmm. and he does like to toy with this scene a lot. So yes, he added another part to it. 
He has it. I, come on. So this will be, I think it's a third or fourth change. So we had the original. I guess if you include the original, it's like the fourth change. In the original, Han shoots first. Were you traumatized by Han shooting first as a child? No, it made perfect sense to me. Did you think Han's a bad guy, therefore I can't look at him as a hero? He's a cold-blooded murderer? No, I saw him as a bad boy smuggler type. Yeah. And you have to have that as part of your entourage when you're saving the universe. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Han Solo. Everyone wanted to be Han Solo. Well, in my, in my group of friends, I think it was, my blonde friend would be Luke when we would role play, you know? Uh, yeah. And I was brown, brown hair, so I'd be Han Solo. But I wanted to be Han Solo. I have blonde hair, and, and I would Han be Han Solo. Han Solo. Yeah. Luke was a little whiny, you know, more mm-hmm. immature, and like you said, Han was a badass. Right. So it seemed like George has only tweaked this, though, because he felt like he didn't want to, he wanted him to be a more sort of a cleaner, you know, white hat type hero yes. and not... Uh, what do they call it? Anti-hero, I suppose. Yeah, it's the more lovable, huggable anti-hero as opposed to Wolverine or Deadpool. But kind of. people love those characters, too. I mean, no one was complaining. Well, I'm go- okay, we're going off on yeah. a tan... You know I have issues yeah. with George Lucas. But yeah. in, in any case, so we had the original version where Hans shot first, and then uh, later in, he changed it for the special edition where then he makes Greedo shoot first. That was mm-hmm. in 1997. And then he changed it again in 2004 where they shoot almost simultaneously. Yeah. So savvy-eyed viewers and fans of Star Wars, when they tuned in to watch A New Hope on Disney+, Plus, which just, you know, uh, went live a couple of weeks ago, found that he had changed it yet again. Yeah. And this time, instead of, before the shooting even begins, uh, Greedo says, <laughs> which, He's got a filthy mouth. <laughs> you know what? To your point about what that means, <laughs> they do not put a subtitle. So right. Greedo's entire conversation, go. as you know, has the translation, mm. but McClunky. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because ultimately this writer, uh, Brian Young, on Twitter uh, pointed out that Sebulba says this same phrase to young Anakin in Phantom Menace. And in that film, they do have a translation, and it's something like, this will be the end of you. Yes, because they didn't want to put the actual translation on the screen. <laughs> but why wouldn't they put it on the second one unless they wanted to imply... Unless it was an error, but unless they wanted to apply, like you said, maybe it meant something stronger. <laughs> I think it meant something stronger. Uh, yeah, I like your idea about that mm-hmm. better. Anyway, Greedo says that, and then they both wind up shooting around the same sort of time again anyway. Yeah, but don't you, uh, the weird neck thing too. Right. Yeah, yeah I think that might have been cut. Which, they, they, or they, they made it a little less dramatic now. No, because it looks like he's like dancing like uh, an 80s rap star. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like those characters on SNL. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't yeah. hurt me. Yeah. Again. <laughs> okay. Um, in another bit of 80s slash Star Wars news, we learned from an article in Entertainment, uh, from Entertainment Weekly, an exclusive, they say, uh, James Hibbert interviewed uh, Dennis Murin, who was one of the special effects gurus who helmed groundbreaking effects that brought A New Hope and subsequent Star Wars films and subsequent many fi- science fiction films, fantasy films that in- Industrial Light and Magic have worked on to life. I had a lot, a lot of nouns and things in there before I got to the concluding uh, mm, well, preposition. Well, you know, we talk on the show, so that's what we Yes, do. okay, that's good. You're getting your money's worth, which is because <laughs> the show's for free. In any case, he indicated that uh, a couple of changes that I thought were interesting about the trench run at the end of A New Hope. Well, one of them was that originally it was conceived as having three trenches that they had to fly through before they got to the exhaust port, and the trenches would narrow uh, as they went along. The idea would be that it would heighten the sense of tension because it's you have to navigate in a smaller sort of area now, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that they wound up changing this because it seemed the most exciting to have the narrowest one. So let's just do that. Um, and um, also, he said that um, 
having the bigger ones gave you less of a point of a reference from an audience to see that how fast they're flying through these things. Yeah. Because you couldn't necessarily see the sides as right. well. You know? mm-hmm. um, and the other thing that came out of this that I thought was interesting was that um, I've always thought as a kid, and the way it's cut, it seems this way, and Dennis Buren says, I know it seems that way, but it's, it's, it's a movie, that they fly through the largest trench, which is around the center. They call it the Meridian Trench. Uh, to get to the exhaust port. Turns out, no, they don't do that. That's the trench that the Falcon is taken through when it's sucked in by the tractor beam. Mm-hmm. But no, that, that trench is way too wide. No, it's actually a trench that's on the northern part of the uh, Death Star. Which is fine by me. Because the highlight of that is when he's like, I don't need this thing, and he just kicks that yeah. their guidance system off, and they're like, right. hey, man, you okay up there? <laughs> like, why did we let a guy who yeah. has no piloting experience... <laughs> Didn't he say something about shooting frogs or something right before we put him in this thing? <laughs> we put him in a, whatever the currency is, a billion-dollar yeah. <laughs> credit ship that's going to get blown up? Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, yes, use the force, Luke. Mm-hmm. Now, we could talk a little bit later about it, how uh, Marshall Lucas's contributions to the film made this scene even better, but I'm going to save that yeah, see save where we're that. going for later. Okay, and the last thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, with regard to 80s slash Star Wars news is that there was a, an interview in Rolling Stone. J.J. Abrams was interviewed to talk about the new film, but he also um, answered uh, many questions, and some which I thought you might find interesting. One was uh, he addressed the criticism that The Force, Awaken is, uh, the Force Awakens is too close to the original first trilogy, in particular, I mean, A New Hope. Some people say it's just a reboot of A New Hope. Uh, it's not a reboot. It's a connection for taking the past into the future because you have all the old characters, you have the new characters and a familiar Death Star, the whatever they call yeah. it. Uh, Star Killer? Star Killer, which was uh, the original, part of the original title for right. the thing. That was Luke's original so last he, name. Yeah, he, he took a lot of the tie-ins so that they could move forward, you know, but kind of a, hey, past, yeah, you know, we're not forgetting you, so here's I'm, the tie-ins. I'm surprised you didn't have a problem with it. I thought you'd, I like that movie a lot. Oh, okay. Um, all right, I must be misremembering your impressions of that versus uh, the last, last Jedi. Jedi is the one I don't like. <clears throat> um, but you're right. He said exactly the same thing. He said that uh, quote: "The idea was to continue the story and to begin this with a young woman who felt like Luke Skywalker was a myth, and to tell a story that was not just history repeating itself, but a story that embraced the movies that we know as the actual history of the yeah. galaxy." Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And that didn't, you know, I actually appreciated how he did a similar thing with the Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. the first one, where he took elements of the old and moved it into a new, you know, sort of era, mm-hmm. uh, a new character or a new uh, generation of actors, etc. The second one, not so much. That was uh, terrible. But um, I disagree. Okay, well, that's a whole other show. Yeah. Somehow we'll crowbar that into the, oh, Wrath of Khan, the original was in the 80s, so we can get an episode out of that. Yeah, we can get something out of that. Okay. So in any case, it didn't bother me as much in this film, because like you said, I appreciated that he was bridging these different generations. Yeah. yeah. And not generations of characters, but generations of moviegoers, too. Oh, yeah. He's got to tie it in for not only us old guys, but all these young kids, so he's got to yeah. make it somehow exciting for everyone. Yeah. Because they, you know, the Death Star and all that stuff to them is new. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah. I was cool with that one. Yeah, and those are the kids you want clamoring for the new, you know, Ray toy. toy and yeah. Oh, yeah. Poe Dameron. They're not going to be clamoring for a 70-year-old uh, Han Solo. Or... <laughs> Can you imagine him playing with that? <laughs> Wait for me, Chewie. <laughs> He's got the gray, the plastic yeah. gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> and it's either the big head Han or the small head Han, <laughs> but with gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so that's all that I wanted to touch base with you on 80s News. Dun, 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 dun. Ack. So... There's a number of different things we want to touch base on with regard to Star Wars, and we're talking about uh, 
the original trilogy, but also the prequels and also the most recent uh, sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit later, you're going to be telling us your idea. You're going to be pitching your story for how to bring this trilogy, not trilogy, what, I don't know what you call it, it's nine movies, but the th- I guess the, la- the final of the nine movies to a close. Yeah, I would, my version would be called The Last Hope. Oh, that's a real name now. I thought that was just your name. Oh, no, that's what I, my, I have titled my version of okay. Part 9, uh-huh. The Last Hope. Okay, but originally when you said that, you were meaning that it was the last hope that you have oh, no. for the movies to be good, I thought. <laughs> I thought I was saying, you should call it My Last Hope, like, this is the last chance I'm giving these guys to get this right. Yeah. So The Last Hope refers to something else, maybe. Yeah, okay, so of course. We'll, all right, so we'll find out about that later. Before that, we wanted to have a discussion about we We started this, I guess so everybody knows, we had this discussion. I don't think it was even on the show. I think no, it was this, in private. This was off the air we got into it. Because <laughs> we talked, hey, no one's going to be surprised we talk about nerdy things. <laughs> that's that's why we had the podcast. It was the, that way. Yeah, so we could just argue and let other people hear what we're talking about. Yeah, we were doing it anyway, talking mm-hmm. about this stuff yeah. uh, and interviewing guests. We just weren't <laughs> yeah. recording it. <laughs> they just uh, were just hanging out instead yeah. of wearing headphones. Yeah, and professors are like, why am I in your garage? <laughs> Who is this again? In any case, the thing that we were discussing was whether or not George Lucas would have made a better uh, trilogy, the final trilogy, than J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, and J.J. Abrams are making now. Yes, seven, was, eight, seven, eight, nine. Right. So this led to a discussion of whether George Lucas is, was even a good filmmaker, I suppose. So maybe the, I think in order to f- determine whether George Lucas would have done a better job, we should decide whether George Lucas was good at making movies. I agree with that. Okay. So... Um, you got American Graffiti. Okay. All right. That's a great movie. That's a good movie. Sure. Okay. He wrote and directed that. True. And he had Harrison Ford in it. Yes. Which shows as, as a movie maker, he's incredibly intelligent. Okay. Because he is the greatest actor that ever lived. I see. So you move on. Then he does Star Wars in 77. Once again, writer, director, executive producer now. Okay. So right. he's, he's killing mm-hmm. it. Empire. Okay. So far, you cannot disagree that these are excellent movies. I can't. And you know what? Maybe, hmm, I wonder if, okay, I'll, I'll, okay, so yeah, so I, I'm gonna, I'll, let you, I'll let you go through this I'm gonna blast before I say through, anything. I'm going to blast right <clears throat> through the next bunch, because Raiders, Jedi, Temple, Labyrinth, he was an executive producer on, Sure. Howard the Duck, Willow, Yep. Last Crusades, obviously, the indie, uh, the indie trilogy, mm-hmm. as we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, he <laughs> wrote. Say, he didn't wrote mention those. Crystal Skull. <laughs> um, I could have because he was involved, but he didn't write or do anything with that. Mm-hmm. So I stick to the ones that he either helped write, direct, executive produce. Okay, and every one of those movies is good. Yes. Okay. So you know, I'll, I'll follow your thing. As a counter argument, <laughs> I notice because you're mentioning you got a different. He, I agree, he's, and he's done a number of different things. He's written, he's directed, he's produced films, he's contributed story ideas. Um, I guess my feeling is the ones that were most successful, the movies that you liked the most, even the ones that you listed, were ones that he had the least to do with. Oh, I disagree because you weren't or, there. You know, I guess I said, <laughs> wait, this is <laughs> this is going to be your argument that these facts are unknowable. Well, this is such a politicized show okay. now. Well, no, 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 because, okay, who does he count among his friends at this time? Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese. Right. Steven Spielberg. Coppola. Coppola. Uh, Brian you, uh, De Palma. Yeah, De Palma. Do you think those four guys would hang out with him if he was some lousy filmmaker? No. 
But actually, you remind me that I just read, uh, when researching this show, a story about, I think it was Brian De Palma, who saw the first Star Wars in the early cut and was like, oh boy, this is bad. <clears throat> well, yeah, there was a lot of talk that it would be bad, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. But, and you know, we, you know I don't, I don't, we're probably going to just bounce all around. And it, yeah. This is going to be the loosest, <laughs> uh, most unstructured of our shows. But I guess, again, along, uh, I said my uh, argument a little bit differently than I really meant it, I guess. I said the ones he had the least to do with. And that maybe that's one way of looking at it. But mm-hmm. what I really mean is the ones that he helmed by himself. So, and there's very few. There's very few that he's written and directed films, right? He wrote Star Wars, the episode, A New Hope. Correct. And directed it. He also wrote and directed by himself the prequels. I think he had a little help writing the third one, maybe. But the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Graffiti, of course, that's mm-hmm. the one. Th- mm-hmm. You want to go back to THX 1138 if you want. I've never seen it. Yeah, that's the one that he uh, Coppola uh, stood up for him and got got, got made, basically. Right, so that sort of got his foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, though, that's it. Those are the only films he wrote and directed. Yes, but he convinced Spielberg to get involved with Raiders. Fine enough. But let's just say those first, okay? So you've got... Episode four, and then episodes one, two, and three. If we want to keep in the realm of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and, and that's most most of the films he wrote and directed were Star Wars movies, right? Because there's four of those. Yeah, and, and besides the Phantom Menace, <clears throat> five of those movies are really, really good. So that's what I'm going to ask you. So I think this is a way right now of just getting you to be not say you're not being honest, but to get to the heart of this. What are your do you the top three Star Wars movies? The, the, your top three Star Wars movies do they include any of the prequels? Obviously not. Okay, so what would they be? I guess, was it the original trilogy? Um, yes, we have Empire, number right. one. Okay, agreed. I have A New Hope, number two. Okay. And I have Return of the Jedi, number three. Okay, I think I could agree with that. I mean, I, yeah, it, you can flip-flop the order there, but those are, in most people's opinion, yeah. the top three. And Jedi, for me, is probably the weakest one. You get a lot of Ewoks and sort of... He was definitely uh, mindful. I think that he had licensing of toys. It was correct. Money ran to him, and yeah, this is where the toy thing. He ramps it up and says, "I'm a great director and writer." Ewoks, they're small Chewbaccas. <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually they were, were going to be Wookies, right? It was going to be like <laughs> yeah. Kashyyyk, and then they said, mm-hmm. they said it's got to be teddy bears." Yep. But of the, my point is, of the three movies that you mentioned that are your top three, he only wrote and directed one of them. Yeah, but they're all his characters, aren't they? Yes. And he had complete control of everything well, if he wanted it. The biggest compliment to him, and this is what I hear a lot of folks say, and I don't disagree, is he's amazing at world building. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these ideas, like you're saying, in characters, to flesh out this giant universe, literally universe of characters and, you know, governments and sort of the you know, political machinations, machination, machination, machinations, that's, that was, that's hard. And he did it. It's also hard to give control to someone else to work on something you've created, which he sure. was also very good at allowing other people to exist in his universe. Sure. But I think that's when he was most successful. So Empire's my favorite, and you're, it's your number one, too. It was written by Lawrence Kasdan, who we know wrote a number of great films, including some of our favorites from the 80s, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Kasdan also wrote that. Kasdan wrote Return of the Jedi. You know, those were not directed by Lucas. Well, I'll put it this way. If, if you know, when I was playing in bands... If I was smart enough to get Aerosmith to write my songs for me, I would have. Mm-hmm. So George Lucas gets somebody else to do some work for him that he knows is smart. That makes him good. I agree. But I guess, does that mean, can we say that he's a talented filmmaker? I guess who gets the credit as yes. filmmaker? Is it the yes. director, the writer, the producer? George Lucas gets the credit. 
<laughs> I see I'm not going to sway you because <laughs> I feel like you just keep moving the goalposts around. Mm, yeah. And, you know, and I, and I think, so, and again, so, and I, I teased earlier, I guess, I think during the news that the New Hope was as successful as it was because he had, even though he wrote, and, here's, I guess, to further hone in my point, um, he, even though he wrote and directed them, he, the movie wouldn't have been as good without his collaborator. So like we said, we, you've had Dennis Murin and Ralph McQuarrie, uh, you know, designing and uh, the, the, the concept art and the special effects. And, and most importantly, the most unsung hero, and we've talked about this again off air, is Harrison Ford. <laughs> Who, you know how he got the job? He was like, he was, he was doing carpentry. Yeah. In his, I mean, he was, an, he was already in American Graffiti, though. That's the weird thing about it, right? <laughs> yeah. I know you were acting in my movie, but do you also do, I heard you do wood, and could you do come you? fix the door jammers? It was something like that. Uh, in any case, um, Marsha Lucas, George Lucas's wife at the time, is credited with a great number of uh, things in the film that ultimately saved it from George Lucas. And I have... Uh, ah, I have no, George Lucas saved it from himself saved it from sometimes. Himself. So um, here are... This is from the Nerdist.com from May earlier this year. They, they, there's a book to, from 2008 by a gentleman named Michael Kaminsky who wrote a book, The Secret History of Star Wars, and he talks a lot about... Um, how Star Wars came to be, including Marsha Lucas, who again was his wife and editor, and she edited a number of other movies before that that were very successful and well received. Um, but that, since they've been divorced, Marsha Lucas has been erased from Lucasfilm history, where you go in the official Lucasfilm uh, documentaries, books written about it. She's not in. She, she's not in there. Well, I'm not going to get into their personal life, but you know, divorce always is rough on people. Yes. So but my point, but I guess, at the time the movies were made, yeah. He was smart enough to have those people around him do mm-hmm. what they were good at. Yes. And as they always say, behind every great man is an even better woman. Mm-hmm. So he knew, hey, I got people around me. I don't disagree. And, and so uh, I guess... So, so bashing him for allowing people to do their job is ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny because the look you made is exactly, I know, the sentiment you wanted to convey. This idea that you only half believe what you're saying, but you can, you have a clever Comple- argument. <laughs> completely untrue. Now he's doubling down. Mm-hmm. But among the many things she did when Prue was the trench run, for example. Lucas wanted to be two passes. He wanted Luke to f- first miss and have to come back around. That reminds me of Phantom Menace, how you know that pottery scene was like two laps too long. It was three laps. It was like 45 minutes of the film. That's Lucas untethered. He doesn't know when to cut back. Yes, but The Phantom Menace is a perfect example of him learning what doesn't work. Learning? Yeah. By then, Star Wars had been successful 20 years. Yes, but this is the first time he's got to play with a green screen that actually can do things, and he's, you know, looking at different things. Can I I jam a Jar Jar in this movie? Can I do it with a little kid? And by Clone Wars, he goes back to what he does good, get a bunch of Stormtrooper things and clone... That are also CGI. Yeah. And he's learning how to use CGI at that point, which brings, that's part of my argument for why he should have done 789. See, now, I, look, again, he's, I, I can, I'll concede this. Amazing world. I love the characters, and I love the original movies. Also, he was a genius with regard to uh, business, like you said. Mm-hmm. He knew enough to snatch up the licensing for the toys. Um, that, that's what he made his great fortune from originally. Oh, yeah. Right? And also, he had the foresight to say, the technology doesn't exist to make the movie I can imagine. 
So let's just make it. You know, yeah. and he got a bunch of nerds like straight out of college together and said, yeah. figure this out. And they did. And that became a whole, you know, multi-million, billion-dollar industry all by itself. You can't take that away from him. But his reliance on computer-generated effects in the first three movies really was disappointing to me because a lot of it took me out of it. And again, he didn't, I think, know how to balance the sort of film, the technical aspects of the filmmaking with the story and the heart, you know, or the heart of the story. Yeah, but you have to remember, too, all prequels are bad. So now he's geared up to do 7, 8, 9. He knows what doesn't work now. Hmm. And he's practiced on the prequels, which no one ever enjoys prequels. I'm glad you bring this up because we learned, um, it actually might have been a while ago here, let's see. Um, We've actually learned a few things uh, interesting from... um, Okay, this is actually a little bit of older news, but we learned well, we learned recently from a, a book that came out from Bob Iger. You know, Bob Iger was the, uh, what, the former um, CEO. Oh, no, he, or he still is. He's the CEO of Disney, yeah. Bob Iger, right? So he wrote a book um, that's called The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And in it, he, rev- he revealed a number of different things, including the fact that George felt betrayed by the fact that they didn't use his original ideas yes. for the sequels. You mean he should have wrote, they tricked him tricked him yeah they tricked him they said yeah we'll listen to your ideas but they never had any intention of using any of his ideas yeah i don't well i don't know if they never had any intention of it um Uh, they did buy them but um you know they bought them so he couldn't do anything with them well he couldn't if he sold the rights anyway well that's what i mean though but the original stories he could have released in a book and said here's Mm. I don't, I don't know. I would imagine he sold it off. But Lucas was so upset uh, that um, at the time he said, uh, on, I think this was an interview with Charlie Rose, uh, he said, I sold them to, quote, white slavers. There you go. So Lucas ultimately apologized for that. Um, and he didn't actually even finish the thought. But um, he felt, you know, obviously deeply disappointed that the, the story ideas for the sequels that um, he didn't buy. But I want to know <laughs> if, now you have your pitch you're going to make in a few minutes yeah. here. I have. We ha- we know from um, also though what the story ideas were. Oh yeah. Okay. So this did, I didn't know this till I read this recently, and um, this is a quote from Lucas. Are you going back to the original that he was working on in the seventies or eighties, or are you on the current ones that he because Luke got old? I think it's you know, well. He planned on originally he planned on waiting though at the twenty years or so till Mark well, Hamill no. was old enough. No, and, I, yeah, actually, no, actually, he had a plan. There was a uh, a seven, eight, nine laid out. Yes, no, I remember that. But, but it was um, the Luke would we would just follow him as a Jedi in part uh, seven, and then we would have had part eight, which would have introduced Luke's sister, who's not Leia. Okay. She was never meant to be a sister. And then part nine, they would have fought the Emperor because Boba would have been the main villain in okay. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and I think what you're referring to is like his originally conceived, written on legal pad yes. before they even made A New Hope, maybe. Even. Correct, which he couldn't possibly do with them being older. Right. But you can see where this story, right. had they not changed things. Well, no. So, so since then, he came up with some other ideas. And I, yes, he did. There was an interview with uh, Mark Hamill after New Hope came out, maybe even after Empire, but definitely New Hope where Mark Hamill talks about how George Lucas approached him and said, I'm going to make a movie 20 years from now. It's going to be the sequel. You're going to be 20 years older, and you're going to play an older Luke Skywalker. And Mark Hamill was like, Wait, I don't even know if we're, we're going to make another <laughs> sequel to this movie. I mean, really? So he, he started changing what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, we learned that the three stories that he sold to Disney and said, here's the next three you should do, were about this. And he says, quote, the next three Star Wars films, we're going to get into a microbiotic world. But there's this world of creatures that operate differently than we do. I call them the wills. 
And the wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the force. Um, and he goes on to talk about how midichlorians are the things that allow the wills to communicate with each other. Yeah, yeah and what, that's what gives people the force. And Yeah. Um, I think it would have been a great story because the wills goes all the way back to the beginning, the journal of the wills. Sure. I, I get all, yep. He was going to tie this thing up with an epic battle with a new enemy. I guess, but doesn't, did, didn't, did the midichlorians thing bother you in Phantom Menace? That, that drove me crazy. That's the least of my problems with that movie. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea that we took this mystic, this mystical, you know, force that seemed like this, you know, religion and spiritual, that it, it seemed like magic, right? Yeah. And then you just grounded it in science. Really, it's based on subatomic, you know, uh, creatures that communicate with one another. And maybe if you can control them, they'll do what you want to make an object move. Well, basically, it's, it's a play on religion. It's a play on a lot of things with you're actually being controlled by a greater power that you can't see. Yes, but I guess, unlike that, it was grounding in science, which seemed, I don't know, less magical to me when no one, Qui-Gon Jinn was explaining that. So to make a whole next trilogy about that... Well, once again, though, we don't know he was gonna, how he was going to do it. No. It could have been awesome. But it does seem to suggest, when he says he's, the story is going to follow the wills, and the wills are these subatomic particles, that we're talking like a fantastic voyage-type movie where the creatures are, you know, they, they could be living in, maybe the next journey was inside of Anakin or Obi-Wan, but on a microscopic level where these things are fighting. It's like the Osmosis Jones cartoon. I think, I, I think people are just taking it out of context. I think what he was trying to say is, is that there's, the midichlorians are in the people, mm-hmm. but the wills are actually a race of things. No, that's not what he said. Well, I think, though, I think and eventually that's what it would have become, like an, an, an actual race that shows up. It, and now you have the rebels and the Empire fighting against the Wills now. Maybe. But he says the Wills is a microbiotic creature. Well, he says that, but he says a lot of things and changes it. As I just pointed out, Boba Fett was supposed to be the main I get villain. all that. But this so is 2008. fluid, baby. Uh, Everything George does not is that fluid. Long ago. And this idea is the last idea he had, because then he sold it and then was disappointed that when they were saying, this is what we're going to do, George, because Bob Iger talks about a meeting where they brought George in and said, all right, we're going to tell you what the next story is going to be. Mm-hmm. And they told him, and George Lucas was just visibly shaken, like... Well, yeah, they threw his ideas in the garbage. What about the microscopic creatures with the yeah. mini lightsabers? They did him wrong. I won't repeat... I, I won't be as mad and say what he said it was, but... <laughs> but you will say McClunky. <laughs> I will say that. McClunky, Bob Iger. <laughs> McClunky. <laughs> well, you know... So, uh... Yeah. Uh, what are your four, five, and six favorite Star Wars movies? You know, I got to be honest with you. What comes next? This is so hard for me. I could say, I could tell you this: the mm-hmm. last three are going to be the prequels. There's not a prequel to me that's even better than Solo. I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I think, uh, and for me, Rogue One's going to be pretty high too. I mm-hmm. loved Rogue One as a movie. So, Last Jedi's probably towards the bottom. So maybe uh, four, five, and six probably would include um, Force Awakens, uh, Rogue One, and Solo. See, I had Force Awakens, then Revenge of the Sith, and yeah. the Clone Wars. Yeah. No. See, but the thing is about, about these movies, and I was, you know, I've been talking to some other friends about these, what their favorites are, and, and mm-hmm. my problems with the prequels, and they say, look, the prequels aren't as bad as you think. They had these great scenes. Remember when Darth, Darth Maul fights the guy? Yeah, that's great. But they focus on different beats or moments in the films, and I don't think you could say the film overall was good if a few moments were good. Yeah, they're prequels. But but you can't say the film itself was like, you know, it ranks pretty high for you as far as your favorites. Well, compared to, like, then I have Rogue One at seven. Yeah. Because parts of that, nah, just some of it bothered me. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's got some nice throwbacks, 
you know, tie-ins to the old stories. And then I threw, uh, this will drive you nuts, but I did put The Phantom Menace before the, the Solo movie and Last Jedi. Um, you know, I could see, look, there's definitely stuff I like in it, but there's a lot of things I have a problem with it. I mean, Jar Jar Binks alone. Yeah, well, that's why it's ranked so low on my list. Yeah, I mean, like I said to you, the, the, the pod race thing is too long. The midichlorians, uh, it's too much, like, uh, you know, again, again, it seemed like clearly he was trying to make more family-friendly movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't as dark and edgy as even the original trilogy was. So Yeah. So I am surprised, mm-hmm. but I guess not terribly surprised. But that last two movies, The Solo and uh, yeah. Last Jedi, are garbage. Yeah, well. And I will give you four reasons why The Last Jedi is the worst Star Wars movie they made. Okay. You ready? Jesus Organa. Jesus Organa. Princess Leia is sucked out into space and oh. dead. <laughs> yeah, the Mary Poppins moment. And comes back to life. Uh-huh. She's the only person in the entire Star Wars universe mm-hmm. to ever come back from the dead. Well, she wasn't dead. She was dead. She was in outer space. But she wasn't dead. How was she not dead? Was she, there was like a force bubble around her? or there she was, was not a holding force her, bubble. She was holding her breath? No. She's like she a, was dead. Tom Cruise nope. in uh, Mission Impossible? Nope. She was dead. She was in outer space. And they let her fly back in like Mary Poppins because he said, this would look really cool on film. You want a bad filmmaker? It's that guy. Well. Number two. We're moving around. You don't even get, <laughs> you don't even get to argue that anymore. The purple-haired mess. Okay, that's the uh, commanding officer of the yeah, ship. Yeah, that's Dern. Yeah. She uh, goes to hyperdrive and blows through that other ship. Mm-hmm. If you could do that, yeah. wouldn't they have been doing it the whole time? Yeah. That's, just yep. putting drones in ships and just blasting them through people and yep. saying, okay, rebels are done. We killed them all. Yeah. Or just having one kamikaze pilot yeah, just take it out every time. You could do that every single time. Yeah. Why have ships with big bombs that got to fly real slow and drop them? Boop, boop, boop. And I wonder how, are, uh, in this film... Are they going to take that away? Like, we, we have a new shield that was developed. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all the men are idiots. There's not okay. a single man in The Last Jedi who can do anything right. So you got your Poe Dameron, your Finn. Finn. Um, I feel like there's some other guys, but yeah. Yeah, but they're not memorable, so you don't even remember what they oh, did. Uh, Benicio Del Toro's uh, shady uh, hacker. Yeah. Uh, you know, Luke is a piece of garbage. Yeah. Every, every man in the story sucks. Hmm. So they had a problem with that because there had to be at least one smart dude in the, in the entire universe that could have helped them. And then uh, the other problem, the big problem I have is when they're at the casino mm-hmm. and Rose's character must save the donkey monsters but oh, leaves yeah. the children yeah. enslaved. Yeah. And she feels good about this. <laughs> this makes her happy that the donkeys are free and the children are still slaves. She's an animal lover. Well, that's, these are all, that's my four things that just really irk me about that movie. You, you know what worries me about the new movie with the trailer is, it looks like they're riding those donkeys on the outside of a spaceship. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> I have not watched the trailer. Oh my because goodness. Because the final trailer I did not watch because I saw the one where Ray jumps over the spaceship. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm done with trailers for this movie. In a subsequent trailer, and I guess I'm spoiling something for you, they're riding those donkeys on the outside of a Star Destroyer. Well, they did save them instead of the children, so <laughs> they might as well use them for something. It would be great if you cut back to the kids <laughs> crying. <laughs> and sweeping still. Yeah. yeah, But using the force to sweep. Yeah, I guess. All right, I don't entirely agree with all your points, but I mostly agree. And Last Jedi for me ranks low, and yeah. for, for all the same reasons you said. I don't know why they did the casino stuff at all. It seemed like no. a big distraction. It was a waste of time. I don't know if I agree with all the men were dummies, but... Find me one who was smart in that movie, and I'll but say, I, okay. I do agree that um, 
I don't know. Even when they seemed clever, it seemed it was it was goofy. I mm-hmm. mean, they were comic relief. Yeah, I, I like other films by Ryan Johnson. I like Looper. I enjoyed Knives Out, which just came out. Uh, I was going to say that movie looks like it's going to be good. That's a good. They movie. just need to keep him away from what he's not good at. But you know, the which thi- they're not going to do. They're going to let him muck up another one. But well, not Star Wars. No, he's not touching those anymore. Mm. And you remember, Colin Trevorrow was supposed to direct the third one. And he presented them with a script, and they, according to Lucasfilm, they just parted amicably. According to insiders, they say they hated his script and fired him. You were good. Um, I don't know. What he, what did he do? Oh, in the past, well, he directed, uh, most recently, he directed the Jurassic World, the first uh, uh, sequel. Oh, he probably would have done a good job then. He's done a lot, lot of other things, too. And I think he was pitching for a while making a Boba Fett film. Yeah, there's been several of those in the works, but then The Mandalorian, because they're so similar, they just kind of... yeah. Stop talking Boba. But they also talked uh, a most Eisley Spaceport movie, hmm. which got derailed. I automatically think of the Christmas special when you say that. Like, now B. Arthur's the bartender. I'll tell you what. And- the Christmas special ranks higher for me <laughs> than both the Solo movie and Jedi. <laughs> wow. Have you watched it recently? I have. I, I watched w- it last yeah, year, I, I think. And it's still better oh, because Boba Fett appears in it. The cartoon is the best part. Yeah, and that makes it better than both those movies combined. Mm-hmm. See, now this is the argument that some folks have about the prequels, though. If you have a really good moment, or, you know, some kind of really crazy moment, mm-hmm. the rest of it's fine, too. Yeah, they, yeah, I can I agree with that agree to some that. extent. But they also are talking about the young Lando movie, yeah. which I have doubts with. Yeah, I don't like any young people movies, but, generally. Uh, but Disney does have that, the, the girl from uh, Rogue One who obviously died in that movie, Yeah, under contract still for more Star Wars films. Oh, well, you remind me, they are doing a uh, Disney Plus show with uh, Cassian Endor? Not Endor, that can't be right. That sounds like the planet. Uh, the the uh, male lead character from Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, they're going to have a Disney Plus series following his uh, character. Yeah, and the girl is also so maybe she's under gonna contract, be... too. And um, uh, what's his face that played Han? Oh, uh, yeah, him, I can't remember his name. Yeah, him and the girl that was in that are still both under contract for more Han movies. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with them trying again. But like we've talked about before, when you know how the hero ends, you know, when they know when they're going to die, then what's the real tension? You know they're going to survive the story. It's a prequel. You get what you get. You get lousy writing. You get crappy moments like yeah. him pit fighting Chewbacca for no reason. You can't, you, <laughs> I like that moment. That was you know, funny. You, you can't come up with a better way for them to meet each other than that. Mm. I'm surprised they didn't have Chewie wearing his magic dice around his neck. <laughs> and he has the Han and, Solo and blaster. The blaster. And, and the keys to Morning Falcon. Give him the vest, too. <laughs> he meets Chewie, and Chewie's dressed like how he yeah. wants to dress. How he dresses. I love it. Chewie's pantsless, but has a vest on. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. Oh, see, that would have fixed that whole movie for me. Just give just it, get it all it, done. I'll just get it all done. And that's the first five minutes. Yeah. And then the rest is a great adventure. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that could have been such a good movie. All right, why don't we hear your pitch for the, right. uh, the long-awaited you... pitch for the sequel to... Are you ready for the pitch for... The Last Hope. I am. All right, we're going to pull a Sam Raimi. Okay. We're going to completely ignore that The Last Jedi ever happened. Oh. Okay. Which he did with The Evil Dead and Evil Dead Part 2, for those who heard that on the other one. Right. So we're going to open on the island where Ray's holding the lightsaber out, and he takes it from her, and he hears um, Obi-Wan's voice in his head saying, this is a weapon from a more civilized time, and then he says out loud, I'm not so sure about that. And then she <laughs> says, what? And he goes, never mind, we got a lot of work to do. We're going to be ready for what's coming. So then we're going to cut over to Vader's castle on the lava oh, planet. Yeah. Love that. All the bad guys are there, and Lando's there too, and they're talking about a plan. Cut back to Tatooine, where all of the rebels are now stationed. You got Princess Leia, and she says to uh, 
Lieutenant Connix, who's Billy Lord, okay. go over to Mos Eisley and find us a pilot. Hmm. She heads over there. She gets Lando, who we hmm. already know is talking to the bad guy. guys. Yeah. Brings him back. And when she gets back, uh, Princess Leia says to Connix, hey, go find Finn and Poe. They're out in the desert somewhere. So she leaves. So now Kylo and the Knights of Ren show up. They're on the planet. Okay, Lando walks in. He's talking to her. Kylo's outside the building. We see him push a button, and Lando starts to beep. Blows the whole room up. Oh, Lando's wow. dead. Leia's dead. Rose is dead. And Kylo says, works every time. Get the Billy D reference in there from mm. uh, Colt 45. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now... <laughs> a Colt 45 Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, we're getting the Easter eggs in there for mine. So now we got Connix out in the desert. She finds Finn and Poe drinking in Obi-Wan's old house. Mm. They hear the explosion. They're like, holy crap, we got to get back there. Are they drinking Colt 45? They're drinking something. The, show, the movie's sponsored by Colt 45. It should be, yeah. So they get back. Uh, place is all blowed up. They're like, crap, we got to go hide. So they go into hiding. So we cut back to the island now, okay? Yep. Ray's in training. We have to absolutely have her riding on his back like Yoda. <laughs> Wait, she's riding on Luke's back? No, Luke is on her back, oh. and she's climbing all them crazy steps. <laughs> right, because she's the Yoda in this right. analogy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he is now the Yoda. <laughs> so <laughs> they're doing all the training stuff, and then he eventually, we cut to the part where he says, hey, put these books in the, the Falcon. You and Chewie go on ahead. I'll meet you there. And she's like, how are you getting out of here? Now, if you remember correctly, in the movie, there was an X-Wing fighter in the water. Hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. Just like Yoda did, this time Luke raises that thing out of the water and then skywalks out mm-hmm. to it in the air, which is we now know why <laughs> their name is Skywalker for the first time in nine movies. Boom. So he gets in. They all take off. So now we're back on uh, Tatooine. All the rebels hook up one way or another. So now, now that we've killed off uh, Rose... Okay, we don't need her anymore. We're going to do the love triangle between Poe, Finn, and Ray, which should have always been in the movies. They sort of hinted at that. They started with it, and then all of a sudden it went away. So now they're all doing that, right? We're back on Tatooine. Meanwhile, Snoke, Kylo, and the Knights are searching this ancient temple, which is underneath Tatooine, looking for a large supply of, guess uh, what? Uh, Ky- Ky- uh Metachlorian crystals. crystals. Oh, metachlorian crystals. Yes. So you're having the metachlorians exist in crystals, not necessarily in the people. Right. Hmm. I made them crystals. So now... Kuiper crystals, that's what I was thinking. This all leads into finding out that Snoke is a, is a lousy clone of the Emperor. That's why he's all messed up. They messed I up see. the clone job. Yeah, it's kind of like the fly going into the teleporter right. with a fly. Right. He got some kind of turd in his <laughs> thing. <laughs> so now... Uh, <laughs> so now... Uh, this eventually ends up with Luke and Ray and Chewie are going to go split up with Finn and Poe and the others going a different direction. And then Luke and Ray find the bad guys. They start fighting. This turns into Luke fights the Knights and Kylo by himself. Ray, Finn, Poe fights Snoke. All the Force ghosts show up. Okay. And start giving them help and help advice. So this like, is like uh, Two Towers or Return of the King? Kind of like that. But they're not doing anything. They're just yelling advice. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, watch out behind you. He's going to kill you, Rock. <laughs> yeah. so, so now the Force ghosts are all here. Uh, Luke cuts Kylo's head off, mm-hmm. but is mortally wounded in the attempt. Oh. So now they're both done. So when this is all said and done, he defeats Snoke's defeated. Um, Luke gets his Viking funeral, just like Anakin did at the end of the movie for a return. Um, right. The end of the movie, we see all the Force ghosts now with Luke and there also. 
and I'm going to do the first post credit scene in Star Wars. Okay. We cut to Dagobah. Ray is there with R2, and she's reading the books in Yoda's hut. Mm. And that's how I'm going to end I see. So we could have more even. Yeah. And I think that would have been able to transition well into the future. So in the Force, well done. Thank you, sir. A non-sarcastic golf clap. (laughs) When you have the Force Ghost appear, is it Hayden Christensen, or is it the original older English gentleman who played... uh... You know, because I do like to add a little comedy, I would have it flitter between the two. (laughs) Oh, that would be neat. Same with Obi. Ooh, it's like he's torn. He would, Obi would flitter between right, right. Ewan Alec, and... Uh, Alec Guinness, yeah. Alec Guinness, yeah. Okay, so now we know what's in yours. Yep. And offhand, I'm trying to think if any of that would be <laughs> in the one we see. I had such hopes. You were my last hope. <laughs> I don't think that my movie is anywhere hmm. close to what we're going to get. Well, you know, you say that, and I know you said you haven't watched the subsequent trailers, but you hit upon at least one thing, in which you wouldn't know unless you saw the trailers or read anything about it, which I know you're trying to avoid spoilers, is that the uh, you had the uh, Kylo and the Knights of Ren searching for some for the um, midichlorian crystals, like you said. Yeah. And it seems clear from the subsequent trailers is that um, they're all searching for something ancient. It seems mm-hmm. maybe something even from one of the f- earlier films um, that they need, you know, to be. Yeah. Well, considering what we all know about George, I- I'm assuming it has something to do with midichlorians somehow. George. Why is George involved? Well, I think J.J. actually spoke with him at one point. Well, it doesn't seem like he's using any of his but, ideas. Well, I think George might have said, could you throw me a bone and get the wills in there somehow? Mm. Just Even if it's just at the very end when they find whatever it is. <laughs> at the post credit scene, when Ray's reading those books in Dagobah. Can, oh, wait, that's your version. <laughs> I'm getting them mixed <laughs> yeah. up now. Yeah. So that's what I got. All right. Well, hey, it's uh, just like, a, what, two weeks away, a week and a half away now. By the time this airs, it'll be, a, yeah. what, a week? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it'll just be about a week and a half, yeah. Mm-hmm, and we're all just sitting around waiting. Wow, okay, and so we'll be sure to touch base, though, and mm-hmm. folks know, and we'll post on Facebook and wherever, where else to get folks' opinion about what they, what do they think George Lucas would have made better sequels, because mm-hmm. you believe he would have. I think he would have, yeah. I think the prequels are a fair indicator of what he would have done with the sequels. I don't think so, but... And George's own words about this Fantastic Voyage version of uh, subatomic particles... Battling it out. I think he would have changed that, just like he changed Boba Fett to the Emperor in that movie. Okay. So we'll get... Because he's super smart and a good director and writer and uh, executive producer and <laughs> all things Star Wars. And handsome. To I still think I still think when this is all said and done, yeah. they may hire George to make his own version of 789. I still believe that they no could do that. No way. What? I, I still have to think wait 30 years. Nope. I think he's in secret right now somewhere, just typing away on his old typewriter. Laughing maniacally. Yes. There's a loophole in the in his sale to Disney. On the phone with Scorsese. Can yeah. you believe these fools don't even know right. I'm doing this? Can we de-age Harrison Ford and bring Han <laughs> Solo back with that technology you used and that the Irishman? All right, so I guess that's it. That is it for this one. We'll let the folks decide where we came out on this one, mm. I think, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what they do, right? And as the sign says above your yes. head, like, like share, and subscribe, subscribe comment, comment, review, and rate. rate. Because it helps us out greatly. That sounded so heartfelt when we read it together like that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I forgot to say it. Well, are you going to start something saying? I don't know. You gotta... Oh, I, I completely forgot we were going to prove something. Well, see, now you know what. Well, I don't know if we proved anything. And, and maybe you're biased now. Well, we have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt okay. that the number one Star Wars movie of all time mm-hmm. came out in the 80s, which okay. is Empire. Very good. I, yep. And we are agreed on that. Yes. Okay. So then we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. Yeah.